0: If you would, take your Bibles and open them to the book of Revelation, chapter 9. Tonight we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. I've entitled this message, The Demon Army Rises. Everywhere you look in this world, you can find beauty. The snow-capped mountains, the deep blue oceans, the lush green forests, the vast multicolored deserts, all provide a breathtaking glimpse into God's creative power. However, if if you look closely, you will discover that there's something dreadfully wrong. Disease, disasters, and death can be found at every turn. Moreover, many of the problems facing the world are self-inflicted. How can such an amazing planet be filled with such pain and suffering? What is the problem? When Adam sinned, the entire creation fell under the curse. The sin problem is primarily manifested in the following three ways. The world system around us, the fleshly desires within us, And the demonic spirits against us. Satan and his demons use the world system and appeal to our fleshly desires to oppose God. And his plan for all of humanity. Satan has not always been the enemy of God. In Ezekiel chapter 28, Satan is described as the power behind the throne of the wicked king of Tyre. This passage provides insight into why Satan rebelled against God. Ezekiel 28 verse 12 reads, you had the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan was not originally created as Satan. He was made in perfection. He was also beautiful Ezekiel 28 verse 13 declares, Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold. This description pictures this cherub as adorned in jewels. With the light of God's glorious, bright, holy presence reflecting off these precious stones, he was unspeakably beautiful. Ezekiel 28 verse 13 also states, The workmanship of your settings and sockets were in you on the day that you were created. They were prepared. Your settings refers to percussion instrumentation. And sockets speak of wind instrumentation. Apparently, this angelic being was a beautiful, created, living, musical instrument. Privileged to lead worship in heaven. Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14 reads, You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Although he was given such a lofty position, pride was found in his heart and he sinned. Ezekiel 28 verses 15 and 16 states, You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. This beautiful angel, consumed by pride, wanted to be worshipped himself. The term violence refers to Satan's attempt to overthrow God's rule. Ezekiel 28 verse 17 records, Your heart was filled up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. The consequence of his rebellion was removal from his position as anointed cherub. In a similar passage in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 15 we can read about the power behind the wicked ruler of Babylon. Isaiah fourteen twelve states, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have been weakened. You have weakened the nations. The name star of the morning, which appears only here in the Bible, is sometimes translated Lucifer the Latin name for the planet Venus. The reason for his downfall is revealed in Isaiah 14, verses 13 through 15. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. His pride drove him to desire to be worshipped like only God deserves. The result is found in Isaiah 14, 15. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Jesus also mentions Satan's fall to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This comment confirms that Satan's effort to dethrone God is futile. However, he did not fall alone. He drew a third of the angels with him. Picturing Satan as a dragon, Revelation chapter 12 verse 4 records, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the ground. These fallen angels serve as demons. Satan appears again in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, in the form of a serpent. He tempts Eve to disobey God and to partake of the forbidden fruit. She ate and gave it to her husband, and he ate. The consequence was death... Both spiritual and eventually physical. No one humankind would sin against him. God had already provided a means through which lost humanity could be reconciled to himself. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first messianic prophecy was declared to Satan. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between you and your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head, you shall bruise him on the hill. This promise was realized through Jesus' sinless life, sacrificial death, and glorious resurrection. The book of Revelation uncovers how the Lamb reclaims the title deed to the earth from Satan pours out his judgment on earth dwellers, and establishes his eternal kingdom. We have already witnessed the breaking of the seven seal judgments. We've also observed the blowing of four of the seven trumpet judgments. Now the fifth judgment comes, the sounding of the fifth trumpet The most wicked and vile demons in existence will be released from the abyss when this trumpet sounds. This trumpet, when it sounds, will bring terror throughout the earth. So let's begin now in our text as we look in chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Here we see, first of all, the abyss of the demons. Notice verse 1 speaks about The authority for opening the abyss. Then the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. In Revelation chapter 8 verse 13, three woes were given to warn of the coming destruction. The first of these woes occurs when the fifth angel blows his trumpet. John sees a star from heaven. The word star here is not like the heavenly bodies mentioned in the prior judgments. This star has personal characteristics. Some contend this is a holy angel dispatched by God, but most likely it is a reference to Satan. As we read earlier in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, Satan was cast from his heavenly position due to his rebellion. However, he still retained access to God. In Job chapter 1 verse 6, he is seen appearing before the Lord to accuse believers. Satan's permanent fall to earth seems to be in mind here. Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 through 9 records Satan and his demons losing a battle with Michael and his holy angels. The result is they are cast to the earth, losing all access to God. Let's continue to read in verse 1. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. This key is a symbol of authority. Notice that Satan was given the key. This tells us that God gives Satan permission to, to open the bottomless pit. The term bottomless pit is literally translated as the pit of the abyss from the Greek word abyssos. This word is used seven times in Revelation, and each time it speaks of a place of confinement for demons. Presently, not all demons are incarcerated in the abyss. Those that are include some of the vilest in existence. Second Peter chapter two verse four states, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Jude verses six and seven also tells us, The angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. The sin these demons committed is referred to in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. This passage describes the time when angels had sexual relations with women producing giant... a giant race known as the Nephilim. This sinful act seems to be Satan's attempt to counteract the messianic prophecy God declared in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Also other demons may have been sent to the abyss. In Luke Chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus confronted the demon-possessed man in the country of the Gerasenes. Notice what the demons said. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. This is the same pit God allows to be open when the fifth trumpet sounds. Now, we see the act of opening the abyss as we begin to read in verse 2. Look with me in your text. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went up out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. As Satan opens the abyss... Smoke belches out like a great furnace that has been opened. The smoke is so thick, it covers the sun and darkens the air. For those on the earth, these are the first signs of the intense suffering that is coming. Now we come to verses 3 through 6. And let's look at the assignment of the demons. Verses 3 and 4 speaks about. The assignment restrictions. Look at verse 3. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them, as the scorpions of the earth have power. God sent locusts as one of the plagues that struck Egypt. You can read about this in the book of Exodus, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, and chapter 10, verses 12 through 20. The demonic creatures that rise out of this pit are described as locusts. But these are not ordinary locusts. This horde is granted the authority to inflict severe pain, such as that of scorpions. Anyone who has been stung by a scorpion can testify to the intense agony that it causes. Those who fall victim to this attack will suffer unbelievable pain. Look now in verse 4. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth nor any green thing, nor any tree. Locusts are known for causing widespread damage to crops, grass, and trees. These demonic invaders are ordered not to hurt any green thing that is upon the earth. When the first trumpet sounded, a third of the earth was burned up, including the trees... And the green grass. We read about that in the book of Revelation chapter 8 verse 7. Apparently enough time has passed for the grass and other greenery to grow back. Now in verses 4 through 6 we see the assignment requirements. Verse 4 in the middle of that verse we read. But only men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. The torturous attack of the demon locusts will focus on those who are not sealed by God. In Revelation chapter 7 verses 1 through 8, an interlude occurred in God's judgment so that a seal could be placed on the foreheads of the bond servants of God. These believers will be protected from the sting of these locusts. Verse 5 says, and they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. The assignment issued to the demons came with the restriction not to kill anyone. The kinds of torment that result from these scorpion-type Stings are unknown. Although this description is symbolic, the suffering that occurs is real. Dr. John MacArthur speculates about ways these demons might afflict human beings. He said, the maniacs of Degod, uh, Gadara were so tormented by demons that they were insane living in tombs. Matthew eight twenty eight. All about Galilee, Jesus encountered tormented demoniacs, Matthew four twenty three and 24. A centurion's servant was tormented with paralysis, Matthew chapter 8, verse 6. A demon-possessed boy kept throwing himself into fires and water in acts of self-destruction, Mark chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. Such is the spiritual and physical torment demons can inflict. As frightening as the demon possessions Jesus encountered were, they seem to be minor compared to when the vilest demons imaginable are released from the pit. Their reign of terror will be restricted to five months This period is consistent with the typical lifespan of locusts, which is generally from May to September. The limited time imposed upon this demon army demonstrates God's sovereign control. At the end of this period, these demons will be sent back to the pit. We read about that in the book of Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Ultimately, they, along with Satan, will be thrown into the lake of fire. We read that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Now, if you would look in verse 6. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. The pain will be so severe and prolonged, those affected will give up all hope. They long to die, and death will elude them. Perhaps this will be the last opportunity for most to repent and turn to God before death is permitted to reign once again. Remember the 144,000 evangelists will be preaching the gospel throughout the world. Sadly, the hearts of many will be so hardened toward God, they will refuse to repent. Now let's look together in verses 7 through 10. Here we see the appearance of the demons. Now, you can see here a description of these demons. Let's look closely at it. Verse 7 says this, The appearance of locusts, was like horses prepared for battle. The scene in this text is similar to the one describing the day of the Lord found in Joel chapter 2 verse 4. There Joel said, their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like war horses, so they run." Keep in mind that John is using human terminology to describe things he has never seen before. For this reason, he uses similes throughout this description. The locust-like demons emerging out of the pit are said to be like horses prepared for battle. The imagery here is of an organized army of demons moving forward to war. Their progress is swift, powerful, and unstoppable, like warriors mounted atop horses. We read also in verse 7, and on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold. John uses the Greek word stephanos, which is the victor's crown, rather than diadem, the crown that represents kingship. This symbol denotes an army with great strength that cannot be defeated. Verse 7 goes on to say, "...and their faces were like the faces of men." The facial characteristics of these creatures resemble men." Perhaps this is a sign of their military prowess and superior intellect. Verse 8 says, they had hair like the hair of women. One of the beautiful features of women is their hair. This is an attractional quality that some women use to allure men. John may be noting the seductive the seducting abilities of these demons by making this comparative reference. And then we see in verse 8 also, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. Lions are identified as the king of beasts because of their ferociousness. They possess sharp teeth with powerful jaws. That can be used to rip flesh from the bone. John says these locusts. Have teeth like lions. To emphasize their power. To inflict tremendous damage on their prey. Although the nature of their attack is unknown. It will be unavoidable and unstoppable. Verse 9 says they had breastplates. Like breastplates of iron. The vital Organs of warriors are protected by breastplates. This piece of armor enables fighters to advance in the battle against opposition. The breastplates of these locust demons are like breastplates of iron. Iron is especially useful in providing a superior defense against any resistance. The message here is that any effort to slow or stop the advancement of these demons will be unsuccessful. We also read in verse 9, And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots, of many horses rushing to battle. Continuing with the imagery of a mighty army, John describes the sounds associated with the emergence of these locusts. The movement of their wings resembles the noise made by the rumbling of chariots. Also, they sound like the pounding hoofbeats of horses as they rush into battle. This imposing horde will come forth from the pit like an army that is innumerable and superior in strength. Verse 10 says... They have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tails is their power to hurt men for five months. Once again, John emphasizes the painful stings that will be delivered by these locusts with scorpion-like tails. For five long months, this demon invasion will plague the human race. There will be no defense and no deliverance as God uses this army of demons to bring judgment to this wicked world. Now we come to verses 11 and 12. Here we see the administration of the demons. The administration of the demons. They have leadership. They have a, have a king And we see that here. Notice the Hebrew name for king, first of all, in verse 11. They have a king over them, the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. That these creatures are not real locusts is evidence in that they are led by a king. Proverbs chapter 30, verse uh, thirty. Chapter 30, verse 27 reads, the locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. Some suggest the leader of this demon army is Satan. Although this is possible, it seems unlikely. The demons in the abyss have been imprisoned. Satan, on the other hand, has the heavenlies as his dwelling place. We read that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12. Also, even though he was removed from his position due to his fall, he still has access to the throne of God, as we mentioned, Job chapter 1, verse 6. Satan is not coming out of the abyss, but unlocking it. Therefore, the king of this demon army is likely another high ranking demon under the control of Satan. John uses the Hebrew name Abaddon to refer to this leader. This term means destroyer. There's also a Greek name for the king. Notice as we continue to read in verses 11 and 12. And in the Greek... He has the name Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still coming after these things. In the event the Hebrew name Abaddon is not known, John employs the Greek term Apollyon for this demon king. This name also means destroyer. The message is obvious. This army of demons has come to bring widespread suffering to the unbelieving world. The fifth trumpet judgment has released the first woe. Now the sixth trumpet will bring forth the second woe. As humankind experiences the full wrath of the lamb conditions on earth are only going to worsen. And conclusion, I want to draw your attention to our present day. And I think about the police that serve us. They deserve respect for maintaining peace across our country. In recent days, we have seen in some pockets of our country what happens when you disband the police and when you open up the jails and the prison houses for people to come out what happens is the crime rate skyrockets people become endangered can you imagine what would happen if all across our nation all the police forces disband and all the prisons and all the jails opened up, and the worst criminals of all were allowed to come out and roam the streets, it would be absolutely devastating. Life would be unbearable. Since the fall of humankind in the garden, people have been in rebellion against God. Throughout the ages, God has restrained evil. With judgments such as the flood, the confusion of languages at the Tower of Babel, and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He has used the institution of government to punish evil and subdue wickedness. He has sent his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to to pay the sin debt enabling all who will by faith trust Him to be saved from their sin and brought into a right relationship with Him, being transformed from sinners into saints. He has sent His Holy Spirit to empower His followers to turn away from evil and to live righteously. Sadly, many has Many have rejected his plan of salvation and refused to yield to his lordship. During the great tribulation, God is going to begin his final plan to end the wicked rebellion that we see in our world today. All of the hatred and the strife and violence and pain and agony. All the sinful exhibitions that are around us, God is going to sufficiently end. And he's going to end it once and for all. When the fifth trumpet sounds, God will grant Satan and his demons permission to afflict the ungodly. He will be opening the prison house For these most vile demons to come out. Satan will be cast to this earth and his demons and be granted permission to run unrestrained, almost completely unrestrained with some restrictions as we've seen tonight. But to run perhaps almost unrestrained to inflict this pain and suffering on those who are enemies of God. Even while hearing the gospel being preached by the 144,000 evangelists and suffering the outpouring of God's righteous judgment, many will still reject God's offer of salvation. Their hearts have become so hardened to God, they're so rebellious in their nature against Him, that they continue to Resist Him. They continue to deny His gracious gift of salvation through faith in His Son. But how about you? What have you done with Jesus? What is the condition of your heart? Is your heart soft toward God? Are you receptive to His plea? As the Holy Spirit begins to tug at your heart when the word of God is preached. To open up your eyes to your need of salvation. What is your response? Do you say, well, you know, I, I know I need to be saved, but I'm not ready yet. Perhaps sometime in the future, I'll respond. How hard is your heart tonight? I'm of the belief that every time you harden your heart and you hear the gospel again and you harden your heart again, your heart gets harder and harder and harder to the point that it is stone cold. Then you can hear the gospel and it doesn't matter to you at all. If the Holy Spirit has drawn you, if you feel your need to be saved, that is God's Spirit trying to say to you now is the time. But don't delay. Trust Him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you to make a, a decision for Christ tonight. I'm going to ask you to call upon Him to be saved. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I know that I'm not on God's side, I know that I have not received Him as my Savior and Lord. I realize I'm a sinner, but I want to be saved. I believe Jesus is the Savior. Dear friend, call upon him while he may be found. Cry out to him. If your desire is to be saved, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's heart? Dear God, I am a sinner. I deserve death and hell. But I believe Jesus is the Savior. Who lived without sin. Who died on the cross. And was raised in victory from the dead. That I might be saved. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me Lord. As I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Give me strength now to live for you. And to follow you. For the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me Lord.